0: Hi everybody. Hi. Welcome to this week's Padilla in the Know. So we are at the Strand House in Manhattan Beach today and I have the lovely lovely i Suzanne. So excited. We're so excited to have you here. So thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you, guys. And today we are going to talk all things books. So we are going to talk about writing your book and getting that book published and selling the book and you know, writing all those writing your book and moving to your island and drinking Margaritas. In yes. Yeah. That's, That's the goal. That's the goal. So, all right. So, you're an amazing journalist. You've been on the New York Times best-selling list a few times. Um, can you share a little bit about your career with us, and also what you're up to right now? Sure. Um, so, uh, like
1: you said, I'm a New York Times best-selling author. I have written. i co-authored five books, and they've all appeared on the list, which is amazing. And then I spent most of my career um, in journalism. I as a reporter and editor at Us Weekly for about five years, and then um, uh, as an editor and writer at Hollywood Reporter for about three or four. And then currently I am, uh, I started a couple years ago my own motherhood platform called Unpacked. like on their Wi-Fi. Oh,
0: there we
1: go. Okay, hi, Hi. sorry, the Wi-Fi went out. We're back. Um, I started a, like I was saying, I started a uh, platform for modern moms to kind of connect over this sort of crazy journey into motherhood and I just wrote a book which is going to be out in September called You Are a Effing Awesome Mom. Uh, yeah.
0: yay! Hey, all right. That's awesome. So you've obviously written so many stories and told so many stories in so many different voices. Can you tell us a little bit about what you feel makes a great story? Sure. I think that the answer to that is twofold. It is
1: um, first and foremost, there needs to be like conflict or tension or something for like the main character to overcome. I think uh, as I was saying to you, I recently heard this uh, this saying that like, if you've ever heard the story about the boy who was born and had everything and could do everything and won at everything, um, it's a pretty boring story. That's the stories that are the most interesting are the ones that are, you know, like Rocky, and Rudy, and Secretariat, and like the, the, the having to go through something to get, to get to the end. Um, and that always doesn't mean, like, having, to have your story wrapped up in, like, a pretty bow, it means that, like, um, you know, like, like stories like, like Gone Girl, or like, um, The Catcher in the Rye, like, the endings aren't, (laughs) aren't that happy, but, um, there is a there is a journey, there's an arc for your for your main character. And then I think the other thing is that there just needs to be some sort of the human connection. I think as readers you need to be able to connect and relate with with your main character, even um, even if they're not necessarily like the most likable people. Um, there needs to be something authentic and true about that, um, because that is what's going to pull us in, is that we see some version of either ourselves or somebody that we know in what we're reading, and we can relate to it, that we can connect to it.
0: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that that rings true when you're a publisher too. And I know that you have so much experience publishing stories. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think publishers are looking for when they're reading a manuscript that helps that light go off in their head that they're like, yeah, this this is yeah. gonna resonate with people this is gonna sell books like this sure. is the story we're looking to tell. I think.
1: Ultimately when it comes to publishers, I think that they're they're always looking for great stories, which I know is like so trite and like it's so easy to say, but at the end of the day, nothing trumps just a really well-told story. Even if it's something that's like you know been told a hundred times, you've all heard like whether it's like a fairy tale or boy meets girl or you know some murder mystery. Like there's a, there's a million of them, but if you have a really good story, nothing trumps that. Uh, that being said, I also think that if you have some sort of unique perspective or unique take on what is maybe a classic genre. Um, when you take somebody like Gregory Maguire, who wrote Wicked, and he turned on his head the classic fairy tale, and he was able to tell the story, a story that everybody knows through the lens of a different character, and he really, it recast it in a way that was so engaging. So I think that that's one of the, um, that's one of the things the publishers would really, would really Vibe with, um, and I know I mentioned this before, but Gone Girl, which is like, but it was such a huge publishing success, um, something like that, where it's like you don't see something like you didn't you didn't see the ending coming, and you have this woman who you thought was this like hero, and then you realize that she's actually she's the, the villain of the story, the antihero of the story, so turning turning things on its head, um, and then ultimately too like recognizing what the trend is in the book. The, book market and that that, that particular marketplace and whether it's like self-help or you know I'm sure now in the wake of like Marie Kondo like how many tidying up books are we gonna see or like organizing those like Recognizing the trends, and if you have something that fits within that space, like really uh, using that to your advantage.
0: Totally. And if you wanted to pitch, like, let's say you've been working on a manuscript, you have a great idea for a story, you want to pitch that out to be considered for publication. Where do you start with that process? Sure, I think. well, it depends too. It depends on whether or not you're
1: represented. I know a lot of uh, people wonder whether or not that they should should go down the route of finding a literary agent. Yeah. And um, I always suggest that if you have that capability and you have those um, connections to definitely seek that out because a lot of publishers won't consider unrepresented or unagent at work. Um, that being said, um, finding a lit agent isn't necessarily easy. So so, just kind of do your homework and kind of research around what different agents are looking for. Um, however, if you do decide to kind of go unrepresented and give it your try, there's uh, definitely a ton of houses, publishing houses that are still um, you know accepting all sorts of work. I would suggest looking. Into the imprints within each house. Like I didn't recognize this when I was the first first writing books um, that you have like a my publisher is and that's a huge, huge publishing company. But within it, there is like dozens and dozens of smaller imprints, which makes up the whole of the chat. And different imprints focus on different uh, different genres and different types, whether that's like YA or you know mysteries or memoirs or. You know, my particular Uh, Publisher is Seal Press, which Mm -hmm. is under uh, the Basic Books title, and it's very like girl power and you know, has a really strong feminist angle. And so, my book fits really perfectly there. So, do your homework, look into different publishers, look into the imprints, look at what they're looking for, and angle your pitches that way. Don't send like some like cold email across the board. Make sure it's really tailored to each different um, imprint, the imprint that that editor is working for um and make your sales pitch on like why you think your manuscript would be a really great addition to their to their lineup um, you have like any sales pitch you have probably the first paragraph of your email to really to really sell them so you know put put, put it all out there you know and i also think that if you're a first time author going to a publisher you're going to have to have a pretty solid body of work to show them Um, You know, it's not just like a couple pages of sample, you should probably have 30 to 40,000 words,
0: um, I would suggest. Yeah. And I know that we touched on it lightly, but you know, a literary agent, I feel like really is helpful in the sense that they're helping you not just navigate this territory that you may not know and obviously they have great connections within these publishing houses sure. but are they doing some of that pitching element for you too and yes. helping you get in front of the eyes that you really want to be looking at your work?
1: Yes, if you if you do have a literary agent they're going to be the ones who are uh, pitching it out for you. It does make it easier in some ways for her to make sure some- the editors are actually like paying attention and reading it because as a author you might just be like a one-time customer but an agent kind of continues to come back to them and they want to make sure that they're maintaining this relationship so they're going to be more responsive and and all of that so um, that would be uh, my, my suggestion is if you can if you could get one yeah and but do your research too because make sure that you're getting one that you feel like you a, have a connection with and that V has, um, you know, your best interest. You should never, ever be paying anybody to represent you. Um, traditionally, a literary agent will take between like ten to fifteen percent of like whether, whatever you're making on your coffee. but you'll never be paying them to represent you, so make sure that's good info yeah
0: that's good to know so what are some of the tips and pitfalls that you've been made aware of when negotiating a deal for your book with the publisher sure I mean because
1: I've worked with a lot of high-profile people I realized that I am nobody
0: so so
1: thank you um but as a result of like having these high profile people, I realized that once you get down to the nitty gritty and I sold my book to a publisher, I don't have a ton of say <laughs> once it goes into their hands. I write the book and my my editor specifically has been incredible and my publishing house has been incredible, but they also had very firm ideas on how they saw my book marketing um, and how they saw it designed and how they saw the title and subtitle. Ultimately, like they're taking on the risk. They're the ones who are paying for it to go to press, they're the ones who are paying to distribute it, they're the ones who are, you know, taking on all of that financial burden. So they want to have a say. My suggestion would be to people that if there is something that is a deal breaker for you, that you need to shout that from the rooftops early on um, and that might mean that the deal falls to pieces, um, but if it's going to, um, like I said, if it's going to be like a total game changer for you that you need to just be really clear up front.
0: Yeah. So you've successfully locked in a publisher, you've inked the deal, you feel good about that, everything seems to be dialed in, in that in that space. What happens next? Well, for me, that's when I had to write the book.
1: Um, oh, it's just that, right? It's, it's that a, part. Which is so funny because I took like a year to write this book proposal and it was a pretty well thought out proposal. But like, then when it came time to write it, I had like four months to write it and I had a newborn at home and I was like, oh, curse word, like, I need to, I need to do this right now, um, so then I, might, depending on you as a writer and depending on your, your editor, if you're working with a publisher, um, they might be more hands-off. Yeah. They might kind of let you do your thing and say, come to me when you have, you know, the bulk of your, your work done, or they'll um, want to be kind of seeing pages as you're doing that. So whatever's going to work best for you as the writer, just be really upfront about that. But I, um, I wrote it, and then it goes through kind of edit process. My editor took a look at it, um, kind of with some big notes for the first round. We came back, we did another draft, and then it was more kind of getting into the nitty-gritty. Um, and then it went to copy, which means the copy editor is looking for inconsistencies, grammar, factual things. They're like double-checking. They are your fact checker. They are your grammar police. The, com- they are-
0: the comma splice police? Yes, all of it. Um, making sure I have a tendency
1: to, to repeat myself, but I want to make a point, calling all of that out. Um, so and then it goes through like two more rounds of like just double checking and double checking and double checking. Um, And then you start designing the book and you start designing the pages and the cover and subtitle and title if that's not already firm. And then finally after like six or seven months of going through this process for me is when we finally are going to print. I have one last like going over with a fine tooth comb read and and then it goes off to the press. Amazing. I know. Very exciting. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think there is a little bit of a misconception of like, getting the deal is the hardest part, but actually the work starts once the deal is aimed. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's a lot longer of a process than I thought it would be, and I thought that writing the book was going to be the bulk of it too, but really it was kind of going over and going over and going over. because. Yeah. Um, Once you do, you know, for me, I'm lucky enough to have a publisher that, uh, you know, has some really great and strong ideas and like getting it to a place where everybody feels like this is the book that's going to be the
0: most, uh, that would make the most impact or, do, you know, really do well and connect with people. Right. And I mean, the goal at the end of the day is to sell the book. Sure. So you definitely need to keep dialing it in until you get to a place where all parties involved are like, "Oh yeah, this is the story that I wanted to tell in my voice that is authentic, but is also going to result in some sales in the 100%, bottom line. 100%. and bottom A hundred percent, a
1: hundred percent, and they think that having sometimes you know there's there is a benefit to having lots of cooks in the kitchen where. Uh, they're able to relate and say this isn't connecting with people or this is too strong or we need to amp this up and like push me out of my comfort zone because as a writer I get very like, you can get very laser. Focused and tunnel vision. So um, having people sort of shake things up and kind of question me
0: yep. and
1: cause me to sort of think outside of my my world. Um, it's I mean it's always helpful to get fresh eyes and new eyes on your on your content, regardless if it's for a book or an article or even if something you know like an a video. In, yeah, video is fresh eyes are great. Or an Instagram post. Yeah. You know, it's uh, having somebody to kind of shake you out of your normal.
0: Totally, and just a different lens. Like, they're just looking at it through a different lens. And when you're in it, and you're in the granular, the granular of it, it is easy to yeah. get tunnel vision and to get baked down in there. And sometimes you just need to get pulled out and sort of brought up and like, oh, I yeah. never even thought about it like that. I never even saw it that way. And it's such a refreshing thing. And sometimes it can take content that's already really great and really help it sink and help it shine. Yes. It just needed that slight little tweak. Yes. And it's in a great place. Yeah, and that's and that's the goal because I think that sometimes too,
1: I you know we want to make sure that as a writer that I'm connecting with people who aren't just in my orbit, but are who in, are in so many different, or in so many different orbits. Like I want to be able to connect to, you know, uh, women in every part of the country, different, you know, from different cultures and different, um, you know, no. but that's okay. Uh, but so being able to have different eyes would be so helpful.
0: I love that. Sorry, it's like going dark, and I don't know why. Whatever, it's just me. Anyway, come back, come over. Right okay, here. okay. So, um, let's get back to talking about the title of the book. So sure. we touched on it a little bit before. Um, I think. Titles are so important, you know, it's like a headline. It's really the thing that's catching the consumer. Sure. So tell me a little bit about what you were thinking about when you're crafting a title, how you get to that place, what goes into the process of settling on the final title. Yes. All, all that. I mean the title is really like your first
1: impression, right? It's your first opportunity to grab a audience. Yeah. And um, it's the same thing like you would do for when I was working in magazines and you're thinking of headlines, whether it's for in print or you're really trying to get somebody to click on your, you know, online. Yeah. Um, It's sort of, you know, the, like, how people relate it now to, like, Instagram. It's like you want them to, like, really... You have your image grab them. It's the same thing with the title and the words. Like you just want them to grab them. How there's so much noise. You know, you want them to be able to connect with it. So um, for me, I went through a couple different iterations, and I really used the folk. I focus group all of my friends. I'm like, here's a bunch that I'm thinking. Like let's whiteboard this. Like let's let's talk this out. Um, and ultimately, too, I think that a, a great a great thing or a great suggestion I would have would be to go to your bookstore and see what's selling. Like there are always trends in any marketplace and even with titles there are trends that go on. I think Urban Outfitters does an amazing job at buying books with like really awesome, really catching titles. They have a lot of Text-focused covers and yeah. books that they sell. Um, so that would be my suggestion: is just to get out there and like see what's selling, see what people are buying, and ultimately, like if you're a writer, odds are you're a reader. So what what grabs you? What 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 would you buy? Um, I like to print it out. I like to have my title up. I like to stick it on a, a board or a wall and like read it for a while and just like let it like live in the title. Um, and I think something too that's like that either turns turns like a common phrase on its nose, like you had the book like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies that yeah. did really well. Or like something, you know, unexpected or something that could be maybe a little bit like off putting. Yeah. Like the um the I'm forgetting it now, but like the subtle art of not giving uh uh-huh. Things, you know, things like that. You want it. You just don't want it to feel. It's your first impression, and you don't want it to fall flat. So take your yeah. time with it.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, I like what you said that you used your prints as a sounding board. You were yeah. writing it out. You were whiteboarding. It. You were running, you know, writing it, putting it on the wall, looking at it for a few days, like seeing how you felt about it when you came back to it three days later, four days later. Yes. You know, and like, is it still resonating? Is it still creating some sort of feeling and emotion in you? Because you want the consumer to walk past the table to see your book and to take a pause. Yes. You know, to engage with it. And that ultimately ultimately is what's going to lead to the sale of it.
1: Yes, yes. And, like, listen, I think it's like with thing, like, as a writer, like, I wanted it to be that, like, aha moment of, like, I found exactly what I wanted. It's like when you're, um, for those of you who have ever gone wedding dress shopping, like, you want to be able to put on the dress and, like, the tears fall down your face. But, like, chances are, like, you're going to go through a hundred different iterations and you're going to waffle and you're going to try to figure it out and then you're going to have to come back to it. Uh Um, So not necessarily being married like this, it has to like, it has to ring church bells for me. Like, go through the process with it. Like get in the weeds with it, tumble it around, deconstruct it, put it together different ways.
0: I love that. Um, So smart. I'm just going to fix the camera real quick. Before we keep going. Sorry. It's making me crazy. So much better. Oh my
1: goodness. Go. I wish you guys could see this view. It's so beautiful. We're, staring We're sitting like, like right by the ocean. It's, it's very it's, nice. it's very beautiful.
0: Our hats off to this train house for beautiful views. Yes. They have all the nice views They win. Before we um, before we jump off the title too far, I know that you were saying how important it is to have something catchy and that's something that you think about when you're crafting for your Instagram or yeah. for social. Totally. Are there any tips or tricks that you can use when you're writing a post to help that post be engaging to help yes. people communicate with it, to feel connected to it, to stop and engage? Because there's so much content and it's so easy to just scroll, scroll, scroll. Yes. I mean. When it comes to
1: Instagram, I have this sort of, I think as we all do, have this like love and hate towards it. Because I always, like, you want to be engaging and you need to make sure that you're, for me I need to make sure that I'm putting out content at like a pretty good, you know, a a decent amount. Um, But then uh, the pressure of like, oh, what am I gonna write, what am I gonna talk about? And I think probably most of you guys can relate to that. Um, Like, what caption should I use? Um, so, for me, what I really try to do is I try to tap into what I'm feeling at that moment because my platform is all about speaking with mothers and being honest about the journey of motherhood. Um, so, I try to be honest about what I'm feeling at that time. When I try to force something, it Always falls flat, always falls flat. But when I'm really honest and open and I try to have a conversation and I try to engage my followers in a conversation, that's when I feel like I get the most engagement and I feel like I get the best response. So, my suggestion would be think about what you want to say. I tell people to record themselves telling that caption or that story. Um, which sounds so silly, but you can, like, download an app on your on your phone for free, record yourself, listen to it back, write out the story, like, type it out, transcribe it, and then read how you would say it. And that's how you should, that's how you, the caption, the way that you should write the caption for your followers, because ultimately you're going on Instagram to create, for most of us, to have a sense of community. And when you're talking to people in, like, these... I feel like I read these captions that are like so overly formal and like verbose and flowery, and just like feel like so disconnected. Yeah, that's when I'm like, okay, pass. Like I'm done. Um,
0: Yeah, I know. I know for me that I tend to go into the world of writing in a more formal way because Mm -hmm. professionally I've had to write formally for so long, and it's like when I start writing in that way, it's like my brain shifts gears, and I actively have to try to shift out. That and get back into a more conversational place, yep. and I have found that like listening to it, reading it out loud, hearing how it's sounding, yes, usually is a great red flag of being like, this isn't a medical journal, this is Instagram, right. <laughs> right? Slow your roll. <laughs> like, yeah, say it the way that you'd actually say totally. it. Totally, and
1: they feel like that's a hard thing that like you know for like yourself and for most companies that are trying to go into the Instagram space, it's like Instagram is like a culture of casual. Um, so when you're connecting with people and you're kind of doing it in those more formal ways, it kind of like, it reads as a little bit like, you know, disconnected or off. So, um, and I feel like so many of the, the brands that are really nailing it are like really leaning into it and like having a lot of fun and like, calling it for what it is instead of like they're identifying the elephant in the room and they're like playing with the fact that they are on Instagram and they're tongue-in-cheek and wink about it um, because you can exist in two things, right? Like you can be... As a brand, you can be a part of Instagram and and, and have that wink-wink, nudge-nudge, but then when you're back into your more professional setting, like in your content, your copy there can be more formal.
0: Yeah, I love that. that. I think that's a really important point. I think it's it's a really smart observation, and I think brands that are killing it aren't afraid to recognize who they are, that maybe they're not for everyone, which I think is a brand is really scary territory, mm-hmm. especially historically, they've tried to be all things to all people at all times, and recognizing that it's okay to be you, yeah. it's okay to have your community be authentic that way, that you can be a little more tongue-in-cheek, that you can be a little more off-the-cuff, that it doesn't have to be so perfect, but on your website, on your landing page, you can be a lot more buttoned up, and yes. you can be a lot more client-facing, you know, yes. and Instagram can be more like a chat with a girlfriend. Yes,
1: yes. Yes, and I feel like that, like you said, the companies that are really doing that well are recognizing that and realizing that it, you can have um, you can have your cake and eat it too, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's great. So, you've written the book. Yes. You've gotten the title. Yes. It's gone out for its final publication. Yes. What happens around the publicity of this book and getting it out to market and getting it sold?
1: Yes. So that's something that is, that's the challenge for most, especially first-time writers, right? So when I decided to write this book, it was 2015, and I remember telling my agent at the time, I want to write a book on motherhood, and he said, okay, well, you're not an expert and you don't have any sort of like, you're not a personality, so who the hell is going to buy your book? so he suggested either I go get like my doctorate in early childhood education, which wasn't gonna happen. Or um, I or start option B. or option B, like <laughs> create a social media <laughs> platform. Um, so I created a I spent about two years developing my social platform and my website and started writing and uh, for different parenting sites and really like Really submerging myself in the motherhood parenthood community because I knew once I eventually wrote a book that I would have to promote it and get people to buy it. Um, So I created the platform first. So for me, I'm able to really like call on my community, um, whether it's for me, you know, hustling to get out to different motherhood platforms and sites and newspapers and whatever to speak about this because I've been able to now create a career speaking. speaking with some level of expertise about this yeah um, so pushing it out that way I think that like recognizing for anybody who's you know trying to promote their their work uh, recognizing the vertical in which you're in and really just ingratiating yourself with it whether it's car mechanics or self-help or whatever it is get in that community and do as much as you can within it because when you do come time to promote whatever you're whatever you're doing um, you sort of have that you can kind of have that call to arms um, within within your network so that's what I'm doing right now and you know there's definitely like anything you don't want to overly overly saturate everybody with it so it's a bit of a push and pull but yeah, I mean, and if anybody else has
0: tips on how I can get people to buy my book, I would be forever, forever indebted. Well, and I think that's something that is important to bring up is that this is a process. You know, it's a process to find the right publisher, it's a process to write the book, it's a process to take it for edit, it's a process to build the community. Like, I know it's easy on Instagram to like, only ever see the finished products. You know, sure. you only ever see that moment when it's finally all done. And you sort of miss out on how long that journey took to get to that place. Yeah. So I think it is important to sort of remember that it doesn't happen overnight, and that just like writing the book isn't going to happen overnight. So to give yourself a little bit of grace and to try, like you know try some different things because it's probably going to take more than just one marketing push to get the book sold. Yes. You know. So you've got to like be willing to sort of have some flexibility in that in the little experimentation yeah yeah I mean it's
1: for me it'll end up being just over three years start to finish um, from when I decided to create uh, a a social platform to when the book finally published so it was definitely a journey it was longer than I think anybody especially my husband wanted it to take but you know, the end goal the end goals worth it all and yeah. you know. Yeah,
0: totally. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you wanna be sure that we talk about? Um I think oh, I
1: I think publishing in this industry can feel so frustrating and so um, overwhelming to so many people yeah. but I mean if you take somebody like like Stephanie Meyer who wrote like the Twilight Saga who never wrote anything in her life and then created this like multi-million, maybe billion I don't know, to franchise out of it like if you have a great story to tell if you have something that people you think will either engage with find interesting or benefit from there like don't give up on it like if you go through the rounds and you don't have a publisher and you want to go down the road of self-publishing, do that like they're there is always a way to kind of make it happen, um, but, you know,
0: it's,
1: it's, it's a process, and like just accept that, and like you said, give yourself grace, and um, just stick with it, because I think ultimately the best uh, the best stories are often the ones that have to get, that we have to work really, really hard to tell, because sometimes... You know, we, sometimes people aren't ready to hear those stories yet. But yep. as soon as we push it out there, then it's like the walls start falling down. So stick yep. with it.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can join along and, yes. you know, find out all about the book when it is ready uh, to be purchased. Thank so you. Can you. It.
1: Um, you can find me at Leslie Bruce on Instagram. And Unpacify.com is, um, is where I do all the other stuff. <laughs> but yeah so So good. And when is the book coming out? The book will launch September 10th and we are going to reveal the cover May 8th. Um, oh, yeah. And start our all of our pre-sale campaigns and there's going to be a lot of amazing, fun things that, we're, that we've got this far.
0: So okay. good. Well, we'll have to have you back for the publishers. of course, please. We'll chat all about the book at that point. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. So i well. learned so much. I really didn't know all that much about book publishing. So I'm glad to learn all these things. Thank. I mean, right. neither did I before I did it. So <laughs> like you got me there. Too. I didn't know. All <laughs> I read some stuff on the internet. I did, I Googled before I got here. <laughs> well thank you so much for me. Alright. Thank you guys. It's always fun and we'll see you next week at twelve thirty.